All right, guys. Episode two, Rooted in Logos podcast. I am Brad. I'm joined with Austin and Carter coming at you from Austin's uh, Intimidating Library. Uh, I want to correct something that I said incorrectly on the first episode. Uh, I said that you did not have a Tim LaHaye book. Uh, and in fact, you do. It I is, noticed it about halfway true. through and decided not to uh, just interrupt what we were doing and mention it. But uh, I didn't feel as much of uh, as a uncultured swine. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it is the Left Behind series. Uh, yeah. And, and you only have one of the 15,000 books that are in that series. But uh, Just the first one. <laughs> just the first one. It does count. It is there. <laughs> That's right. So... I don't know why that matters to me, but it did. So here we are. Uh, <laughs> episode two, guys. Thanks for joining us uh, again. Uh, hopefully you guys have listened to the first episode that kind of discussed why we're doing this, what the purpose of this is. We're excited. This is going to be so much fun. We are going to get into the Nicene Creed today. For those of you who don't know what that is, keep listening. We'll explain it. And we just want to set a foundation of what we believe, set the foundational beliefs of Christianity, set the foundational beliefs of the church, um, and why they're important. And then as we move forward in this podcast, get into later episodes, we're going to actually go to more specific issues and topics uh, that relate to the church today. I'm really excited. I want to define words like eschatology and ecclesiology and soteriology. I want to start defining those (laughs) words. Because those words are fun to say, and they make you sound really smart. It's true. Carter's looking at me like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. I don't know what those words mean. <laughs> exactly, and that's the point. So will um, be the fun part, yeah. It's going to be really cool. Uh, that book I'm supposed to give you like three weeks ago, they're all in there. We'll mm-hmm. we'll get to that at some point. <laughs> I, I actually feel bad for you, because the, the amount of books that are going to be piled up are... There's a lot already. Tremendous. <laughs> Just keep piling them on. I'm ready for it. It's a good thing you're homeschooled. Yep. <laughs> Homeschooler shout out. I got Just, a lot of time. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, well, homeschoolers. What? Just hey, you hey. Know, the cheering could have been very well used. There. <laughs> oh, the, what? There we go. Homeschoolers, homeschoolers. and stop. All right. So this week is going to be exciting. Uh, Austin is going to kind of take the lead on this one. I think each week, uh, one of us will kind of take the lead on what we discuss, and we'll all chime in. Uh, it's going to be pretty cool, pretty conversational. There's going to be a lot of times where we're learning too, uh, as we kind of talk about what we found throughout the week on whatever topic we're discussing, we'll be learning as well. Because one of the things that we talked about a few seconds ago before we started recording is let this be pretty natural. Let this be just a conversation because we don't want to come into this scripted. Uh, we want to learn from the Bible, learn from resources, learn from each other. Because we're not robots or machines, we are always learning. So, I'm going to keep the authenticity of that. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, we want this to be somewhat entertaining. Uh, yeah. And hopefully you guys enjoy. Uh, if you do, please leave us a five-star review. Yeah, that would be helpful. <laughs> be fantastic. Leave um, multiple. Multiple. Just leave them. Just five-star every three days. That'd be cool. No. And I'm just kidding. I'm going to take all of this out, by the way. Uh <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Austin, let's just start with the background. Like, what is the Nicene Creed? Where did it come from? Why was it written? Who wrote it? Um, go for Austin. Yeah, so looking at the historical aspect of it, you know, why did the Council of Nicaea meet in the first place? Why was it written, the Nicene Creed? I got this from, it's a Bible Basics, Christian History Made Easy by... Timothy Paul Jones, a PhD, he, and he's a professor of leadership at the Church Ministry at Southern Baptist Theology in Louisville, Kentucky. So, Southern <clears throat> Baptist Theological Seminary. 
Yes. What did I say? Southern Baptist Theology. Theological. Thank you. Theological, Theological Seminary. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. That's why Brad's here, by the way. I went there, so I have to like, try to... <laughs> okay, so yeah, what is it? It is a statement of faith that was meant to lay out all of the foundational beliefs as a Christ follower. So, why did the council meet? There was a division amongst Christians throughout North Africa to Asia Minor. There was a man by the name of Arius, an elder and teacher of the word in Alexandria in Egypt. He was teaching that Jesus was not eternal God. Jesus was instead the first being that God created. So originally, the person who actually called the council to meet was Emperor Constantine at the time of the Roman Empire. He wanted peace and unity in the Roman Empire, so he invited every known overseer or pastor in the known world to a town known as Nicaea, a village in northern Asia Minor, and is now the city of, if I'm saying this correctly, Iznik? Iznik in Turkey? So, who all was there? And when did it happen? It happened on July 4th, 325 AD. There were over 300 overseers or or pastors and 2,000 elders and deacons that showed up. So, why was it written? At the beginning of the meeting, there were two groups. The first, that opposed the teachings of Arius, and the other, who didn't really understand what Arius was talking about. They just wanted peace. So, there came a moment in the council when one of the overseers who supported Arius stood up and explained his view more clearly. The moment he said they believed that Christ had been created instead of begotten or existing eternally, the whole room erupted. Shouts of blasphemy were shouted, and the whole council moved towards the agreement to condemn Arius. Afterwards, one of the overseers piped up, he said, that they should write out a statement of faith that would denounce and exclude what Arius was teaching. And they wrote out the first Nicene Creed as an answer to Arius's false teaching. So, real quick, uh, just explain the difference between the idea of, of Jesus being created versus begotten. And what kind of what that looks like today, like were we created, were we begotten? Yes. What's kind of the yeah. basics of that? That's very important. So, saying that Jesus was created, that means he was not eternal. He was not there at the beginning of time when the foundations of the world were created, but that also means that he wasn't there before time began. Saying that he was begotten means that he was fathered and he was born of God the Father. So, us as people, as human beings, we were created by God. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was begotten. Therefore, he was fathered, he was sired, he was brought to earth and fathered by God the Father. And so, that kind of brings new meaning to John 1.1. Where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Yeah, pretty cool yeah. distinction that I don't know if I've really thought of too deeply. Like, I've kind yeah. of always just like, oh, yeah, he's been around forever. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, since the beginning of time, and before the beginning of time, he was he was there. And it's hard to fathom, but I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that that is such a common belief now that, oh, no, God, Jesus was created, just like everybody else, yeah. just like us. 78% of people who proclaim Christianity today believe that he was created and not begotten, which, which is kind of terrifying 
And, and that's the, the one of the reasons for this podcast, to be able to make things like that right, going back to Scripture, getting deeper into Scripture, and being able to look at that and saying, no, no, that is not right. That is false. That is wrong. That's a stumbling block. And that's such a foundational issue that if you get that wrong, what else are you going to twist? Exactly. Now, yeah. does that mean that they don't know created means not eternal? Or are they saying that they know created means created right there and wasn't there before? Yes, they the, the latter. Yeah, they, okay. they said they knew created means God created him at this that moment time. in time. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. when Jesus came to earth through the Virgin Mary, which we'll get to that, that was, his, that was the beginning of his existence, according to that view. Yes, he was the first perfect creation. So, and then at the end, they wrote up their statement of faith. They wrote up the first Nicene Creed. And the first part is all about, this is what we believe. We believe, you know, God is the Son. He was the only one begotten, stuff like that. But the, the whole last part was basically just condemning Arius and his teaching and the people following his teaching. So basically just to make that right. Now, fast forward 56 years, it would be the second meeting, but this time it would not be held in Nicaea, it would be held in Constantinople. After the first drafting of the creed, they met again. A man by the name of Apollinarius was teaching that Jesus had a human body, but not a human mind. Therefore, not at all human. A man by the name of Theodosius, the emperor of the Eastern Empire, wanted to settle the dispute of the Eastern churches in this matter and called a council to the city of Constantinople in AD 381. More than 150 overseers or pastors agreed to refine the Nicene Creed concerning Jesus' unique deity while clarifying the relationship of Jesus both natures. This gathering became known as the Council of Constantinople. Their statement of faith became known as the Nicene Creed, and followers of Christ throughout Christendom have been using it ever since. So it's just kind of a little bit of history and background of exactly why it was written and for what purpose. So I think kind of the next step would be let, let's actually read it. Let's see what see what it says, and let's kind of pick it apart, uh, dissect it a little bit. I do want to say as a side note that ever since we decided to discuss this topic, I have had the Rich Mullins song stuck in my head. Uh, <laughs> I would sing it for you, but A, no one wants to hear that, and B, we would have to pay for it. I want to hear it. I'll, <laughs> say, you know, yes. I'll, I'll sing it off the air so I don't have to pay for it. So. Okay. There you go. But you go. Uh, yeah, so let's, let's uh, Austin, if you'll read it for us, and that way we can just kind of see and hear what they came up with as the foundational beliefs for the church. Yeah, definitely. All right, so this is the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us men and for our salvation. He came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. 
who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. I just want to say I got goosebumps throughout the entire <laughs> thing. Like I, I, I love the language used. I, I believe. The, I believe. Yeah, the affirmative uh, words that, that 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 they use, and how yes, this is kind of the ABCs of Christianity, but it's so rich, it's so deep, it, it goes beyond the basics of Christianity. When you start actually digging into each and every part of this, uh, we'll do that some today. Dig into each and every part. But, man, there are so many topics in here that I want to hit um, oh, yeah. as we move forward. Uh, doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of, of Jesus and, and salvation and the atonement and just so many things. Um, or even being able to look at words like come substantial. Right. What does that mean? Yeah, we need to define that. Yeah, we'll so. define that for you guys. Austin, let's go ahead and define that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, c- c- consubstantial. Okay, consubstantial. Of the same substance or essence. So, not made... consubstantial with the Father. That is meaning Jesus is of the same substance or essence as the Father. They are one. Which is a mind-blowing topic. Yeah. For sure. Um, It is a very tough topic for our puny minds to, to wrap around and grapple with that not only that, yes, we believe in one true God, but the one true God has three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yep. they eloquently described it in, in this in this creed, in this statement. And, and there was another word in there that we wanted to define as well. Yeah. So looking ahead tor- towards the end, Catholic. Um, uh, we we are not Catholic. We, we profess Christian. We are Christ followers. So Catholicism versus back then what Catholic meant. So Catholic, the word Catholic in Latin is Catholicus, Catholicus, C-A-T-H-O-L-I-C-U-S. In Greek, it is with a K, K K-A-T-H-O-L-I-K-O-S, meaning universal. So the Greek phrase, Catholoio, yeah, I'm not great with my Greek. (laughs) It's on the whole. So, the whole Christian church, one holy Catholic church or apostolic church. It is Christians as a whole, the church as the body of Christ or the the bride of Christ. That is what it means. Yeah, the universal church, not, yes. not the uh, Southern Baptist church down the street, the Episcopal church up the road. It is the universal church as a whole, the proper church. Big C. Followers of Christ. Yeah. Yes. So, Carter, you had mentioned earlier when we were talking about this episode that you were a little confused when we first started talking about this, about the difference between the Nicene Creed and the Apostolic, or the Apostles' Creed, sorry, the Apostles' Creed. Uh, What did you find regarding that? So, in the middle where you see, or a little bit towards the end, it says, For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven. So that's the Nicene Creed version. And then you go to the Apostles' Creed. It says, He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. 
So if you notice, there's a difference there. In the Apostles' Creed, it says he descended to the dead, and it just doesn't mention that in the Nicene Creed. So just a little bit of wording, a little bit of difference in wording. Um, And then um, I was like, is the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed the same thing? And what I found out was that the Nicene Creed is mainly linked with the death of Christ, while the Apostles' Creed is used mostly during baptism. And the Nicene Creed is recited during like Lent or Easter most of the time. Hmm. So very yeah. interesting. Maybe another topic for another day is what is the Apostles' Creed and when, where did it come from? Yeah. Uh, and and I, actually, I think so. The Apostles' Creed, I think, was first. I might be getting my dates wrong, but it was, I think, something like 180 AD is when the Apostles' Creed actually started to surface and pop up. Apostle based on the Apostles of Christ versus the Nicene Creed, which would have came 325 several hundred years later all right so let's let's just kind of scratch the surface of this and, and kind of pick this apart a little bit this first part you know i immediately think of genesis we yeah. believe in one god the father almighty maker of heaven and earth of all things visible and invisible also real quick as a side note i'm reading one that i got online that was a smidge different than yours yeah so Feel free to jump in and like correct me if it's gotcha. a little bit off. Let's dive into the first part. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. And that really does start Genesis 1. Yeah. In right the, the beginning, beginning, God. I mean, you could even, the Bible doesn't stop there, but you could stop there, right? And yeah. you could you could do an entire series, an entire sermon series just on, in the beginning, God. That's it. That's all. That's all there. We need to know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And like you were saying earlier, I like the first line, I believe in one God, because like th- we aren't like polytheist, we are monotheistic, we believe in the one God, but he is three persons. But that doesn't change. It's not three gods, it's one God. And like the first paragraph focuses on the Father, which is like really cool. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to really hammer that home, because like we kind of alluded to in the first episode, progressive Christianity is becoming a major problem, especially in America. And one of the beliefs of progressive Christianity is, and I, and I want to read this from their statement of faith, because it it's shocking. I'm also going to edit some of this out because I am stalling because my computer will not cooperate with me and open this file. There we go. So progressive Christianity is becoming such a huge issue in, in our culture today, in our church, especially here in America. And it's really important to hammer that point home, that we believe in one God one creator who created the the heavens, the earth, things invisible, things visible. Because here in, in their statement of faith, it says, uh, we don't agree that creationism should replace the science of evolution in the public schools. Mm. So that right there, they take away God as creator. Yeah. All right. Also, we don't believe that people of other faiths are going to hell unless they convert to Christianity. That takes away that act of salvation. That takes away the act of God redeeming his people. There would be no point to Jesus coming and dying for us. He did it for no reason. When it says in other religions, does that mean like other denominations of Christianity or just other religions in general? No, it. I believe this means other faiths. Okay, that so a yes. Muslim, that a Buddhist, that a Hindu, all essentially universalism, all yep. roads lead, lead to, to the same God. The God, mm. yeah. Um, or a God. Or a God. Yeah. And, and, it's, and that's... Highly dangerous. Very it's dangerous. Blasph- it's blasphemy. That's Absolutely. What it is. And that's why it's so important to hammer this. You may say, well, why are we going through this? This is basic. We all know this. We get it. 
we don't all know this. Not everybody does. We don't all get this. And in order for us to really start digging deeper, we have to start here. Yep. Because it is becoming so prevalent in our culture, in our church church culture today, to deny this basic, basic fundamental truth. truth. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, so maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. That's the planets, the stars, the heavens, everything on earth. The invisible, invisible, us versus the supernatural, angels, demons, everything. He created, he is almighty God over all, period. I really like that part because like that's what separates uh, God from man. Like we can create visible things, like we can build tables or houses and stuff, but he's actually able to build the invisible stuff that we cannot see. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, we can't even like understand that really. Well, and if you want to go even farther, you can say, well, where did that wood to make the table come from? Well, it came from the ground. Okay. Well, where did that, you know, you can, it all traces back back to God. It all traces back to the creator of the universe and everything in it. Even to the aspect of our want to create, our wanting to create something as simple as a table or a chair, that wanting to create comes from God since we are created in his image. Yeah. Thank you. Since we are created in in his image, we have those wants. So... Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Which, side note, is another topic that I think at some point we dive into created in the image of God, because oh, I think yeah. some people believe that that means he Physically. has a, uh, God has like a, a patchy beard and tattoos and a beer belly, but uh, that's <laughs> not what that means. But again, another topic for another day. Yeah. Uh, so the next part of, of the creed is, and in one, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only son of God, begotten of the father before all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. And that big word, mine actually simplifies it, says of the same essence as the Father. <laughs> That's cheating. It is cheating, but... Uh, Consubstantial. There you go. Yeah. So, again, why is this important to dig into? Let's just start it. Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. Only Son, begotten, Father or produced as offspring, not created. We were created. <laughs> He was begotten. That is the big difference. Because if, if he was created, that makes him impotent, right? Well, he's not He's not part of the Trinity. He's not part of the Holy Spirit and the Father if he was created. So at one point in time, there was only two, right. which would be contrary to the rest of the scripture. And, because and, like, yeah, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God and the Word was with God. The word was Jesus. He was the spoken word of God. So therefore, he was there at the beginning. So the next part, for us and for our, salva- for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and he was made human. So let's stop there and break that down a little bit. So you go back to Genesis, and you go back to Genesis 3 and the fall of man. You see uh, Eve eating the apple, Adam eating the apple. Probably not an apple. I contend it was a banana. <laughs> That's, an, again, another topic for another day. Bananas are evil, but we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> Probably won't. Um, we won't. No we, no, we won't. No, we won't. So, at that moment, our relationship with God was severed. At that moment, our relationship with Him ceased to exist in a perfect way. Because of that moment, we are all born into sin. And Thanks, we, Adam and Eve. Yeah, exactly. Gosh. And <laughs> Yeah, so, and yeah, looking at the first Adam, Adam and Eve, sinning, we fell now born into sin, now comes the second Adam, as Paul refers. And Jesus is what Adam should have been. 
I mean, he, he was not begotten of the Father, he was created. But Jesus was what Adam should have been. He is the perfect Adam. Therefore, coming back, making all things new, all things right, fulfilling the law. And, and you see throughout the entirety of Scripture, from, from, the start, from the fall of man, you see this plan of salvation taking shape. Foreshadow. Foreshadow. Everywhere. Everywhere. And, and it starts in that moment where Adam and Eve realized they were naked. They covered themselves with fig leaves out of shame. And God sacrificed the first animal. Sacrificed the lamb to make clothing for Adam and Eve. And that is, like you said, a foreshadowing of what Christ does for us as the perfect spotless lamb. Yeah. And you see it throughout the entire Old Testament with, with the sacrifices, with the, the, the Day of Atonement uh, in Judaism. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So that's why he came. He came for our salvation because without the shedding of blood, we cannot be reconciled with God. We cannot fix that gap or bridge that gap that is between us without blood, without perfect spotless blood. Next section. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. That's important to believe. That's 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 fundamental. We need to understand and we need to believe that Mary was a virgin when she became pregnant with Jesus. Well, and trick me if I'm wrong, she was a virgin as she was giving birth to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, because that it is hard to understand and believe as a non-Christian. So, did God come and have sex with Mary? No. No, that's not how it worked. It was the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she became pregnant. It's not how we make babies. Sex is a natural act. It is the way we naturally reproduce. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's how the God Holy Spirit it. is not natural. Is not natural <laughs> according yeah, that's to a, that's a, humans. Yeah, it was a supernatural event. It was exactly. an event that is not explained by our natural world and natural order. It is supernatural. That is the definition of supernatural. And and again. It does take some faith to believe this because it is out of our realm of knowledge. It's not it's it's not conventional wisdom that someone who is a virgin can give birth. Right. And and that and that's it. It's it's our understanding versus the understanding God gives us. <clears throat> and as just our weak, feeble human minds, we cannot understand that. But if you can think of okay, the God that created the heavens, the earth, the planets, he can put a baby inside this woman's body without touching her. And like no one in this world would, or not this world, but like today's world would believe that. Like, oh yeah. There's just like, that's just so hard to believe. Like, I don't even know if I would believe it. Like I would just be like, nah, they just want attention. That can't be real. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's just so hard to believe that that actually happened the way that it's described as it happened. Science doesn't explain that. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, even in that time, Joseph was very worried yeah. when he found out she, Mary was pregnant because at that time, unlike today in that culture, sex outside of marriage was highly frowned upon. She it, could have been stoned. That was adultery. Exactly. It was adultery. Mm-hmm. It, it was a very big no-no, very big taboo to have sex but w- and not be married to that person. And not even just engaged, like married. Law, a law binded, bind, law binding, no, <laughs> binding by law contract yeah a, a contract yeah <laughs> gosh covenant so I, I have my work cut out for me on this one a contract <laughs> binded by law thank you, That's there you go. Trying to say. we need coffee <laughs> should have some coffee coffee's terrible anyway um i like smoothies what what, what? all okay, right sorry back no, we're good back to things so yeah second part or third part for our sake he was crucified under pontius pilate he suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day. Again, 
very crucial to what we believe. Mm -hmm. So, under the rule of Pontius Pilate, which we know Pontius Pilate was not the one who said, crucify him. He said, my hands are washed of this. I find no guilt in him. There is no guilt in him that I can see. So, the people, mob mentality, they took it upon themselves and said, crucify him. Kill him. So, they killed Jesus. He died three days later, came back to life after being buried. He is alive. He is well. He is in heaven at the right hand of God right now. That is, as a Christ follower, that's what we believe. And it's very crucial. Very crucial. It's the entirety of the salvation story. That's the, that is the culmination of the Old Testament leading up to Jesus. Yeah. It, it, it is the, it tore the veil in half. Therefore, there is no reason to have a priest, a high priest to go into the Holy of Holies. We can now do that. There is no more need for animal sacrifices once a year or one, uh, whatever their time frame was. I think it was once a year. There's no need for that anymore because he was the ultimate sacrifice. And I think it's very important, something you said that and you emphasized, he was dead. There is a a theory, an idea that has, has kind of gone through the church. I'm not sure how prevalent it is today, but I'm sure some skeptics will believe this, that, well, he wasn't really dead. He yeah. appeared dead. Right. They didn't have the technology to determine if his heart was still beating. They didn't have this, that, and the other. He was just basically in a coma for three days and then got up and walked out. That it cannot be true. No. That cannot be true. He... That is contrary to scripture and what we believe. Because, yeah. yeah, right there. And rose again on the third day. He rose after being buried and dead in accordance with the scriptures. And you see that all throughout the Old Testament. Yep. All the prophecies say he is going to die, but he will be raised again in three days. And so it's very important for us as believers to understand, And hey, he died. He didn't fall asleep. He didn't slip into a coma. He died. So the next part, he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. So after he rose from the dead, he appeared to over 500 people. He spent some more time on earth, 40, physically on earth. 40 days. I believe it was 40 yeah, days. 40 days. And then he ascended to heaven. He did not die again. He didn't have another death. He didn't disappear. He ascended to heaven. And he is there. He is preparing a place for us. He is, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he is waiting eagerly, eagerly for <laughs> us to join him up there. Yeah. And one part that I heard, it was like a... Easter service I went to, it was like when he appeared to Mary, like the first people that saw him come back was two women. And like back then, women didn't really have like a Satan thing. So like if you're going to have a lie about someone defeating death or coming back to life, you're not going to have it as two women telling everyone because like they're not going to believe that. So it just shows that like it's not a lie. Like he did come back and it just like breaks all the norms. One of the defenses for this that, that you... Uh, that you commonly hear is these men and women were willing to die for this. They were getting a level of persecution that we cannot fathom in this country specifically. Yeah. And yet they were willing to die. You know, you have every single, I think every single apostle, but John, but John was murdered and martyred. They were martyred. They were martyred. <laughs> they were martyred. For what they believed. For what they believed. So because you, they wouldn't yeah, renounce. If you think it's easy to be a Christian of that caliber, think again. Right. Heads up. This is your warning. Another thing that I saw, like what you were talking about, like they went through all that persecution to keep lies. They went through all that. Like you can't keep a lie for that long or go through that much trials to keep it. Like Watergate, they were like such trained people, so professional, and they couldn't keep that lie for like two weeks. But these fishermen, these fishers, these nobodies could keep this what everyone thought was a lie for 40 years up to their deaths. Like that doesn't uneducated, really uneducated yeah, yeah. people. Yeah. They, they did not go to seminary. <laughs> they did not go to these high class schools. They, they worked 
and that's how they fed their family. And yeah, you're holding this lie until someone comes up and says, D- you better deny this or we're, we're going to kill you. People would be like, oh, yeah, never mind. It's a lie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not a single one of them did. Not a single one. They, they all were there. And I love the next part. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. That is the back of the book, ladies and gentlemen. Spoiler alert. We win. We win in the end. We already did. We already did. You're right. We have won and we will win. It's it's such an amazing idea, and, and and it's very encouraging. And and again, why are we going through this? Because this is essential to build the rest of our knowledge on. It is essential to start at the basics that he is coming again. He is going to judge the living and the dead. There are two options for eternity: heaven and hell. Every single human being that has ever lived, will ever live, and are living today will end up in one of those two places. No purgatory, no middle ground, don't pass go, don't collect $200. It's going to happen. And we believe that the truth is Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. All others lead to hell. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. Very important. Just real quick, I just had a quote that I just thought of when you were talking about, like, there is only heaven and hell. Like, it was a quote that I heard on a retreat um, last year. It was like, every, I'm not going to get this word for word. I don't remember (laughs) it word for word. But it was like, every decision you make determines if you're more fit for hell or heaven. Like, like you need to understand, like, how each decision you make is making you more fit for heaven or hell. And, like, you want to decide which one do you want to be more fit for. So, like, that was really cool. So, yeah, moving on to the later half. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. So, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit coming from the Father and the Son, they are all three in one, the same, yet separate. And so, one of the things that we're going to work, we're going to touch on in later episodes is the work of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit's function? Just real briefly, the Holy Spirit is what drives us to salvation. It drives us to the knowledge of the truth of Scripture, of the truth of Christ, His death, His burial, His resurrection. The Holy Spirit is what is at work in us to sanctify us, to grow in obedience with Christ and with God and in the standards. The Holy Spirit is what dwells inside us. You, you hear all the time, I want Jesus to come live in my heart. Well, yeah, what does that mean? Exactly. He's not physically in there. He would probably drown. There's a lot of liquid there, but the wait, Holy Spirit wait, is there. Wait, is it, inside it doesn't of seem it. like it's hollow that you can live inside of it. Also true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anatomy speaking, it just wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe little veins that you could just swirl through or something. <laughs> Back on track. <laughs> <laughs> so accepting Christ, you're not accepting Christ into your you know, physical heart. You're accepting Christ died. He's your Lord. He is your Savior. At that moment, once you have become a Christian, a Christ follower, truly the Holy Spirit enters your soul living inside of you. That is the Holy Spirit. He is a part of you. And he convicts too. That's another aspect of, of the work of the Holy Spirit, again, which we'll dive into at some point. But, you know, I do believe that as humans, yes, we are born into sin. We are born tainted by sin and every part of us is touched by it. But we also were born with this nagging knowledge, I like to say, of like there's something bigger than us. And th- there's something out there that, that, that is beyond us. And, that, and that's why you see so many religions. That's why you see so many people trying to fill those voids with money, drugs, alcohol, sex, 
Fame. Fame. For, yeah, exactly. You, 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 everyone's trying to fill that hole, and only the Holy Spirit can do so. Also, the conscience, the, the, the idea of, like, I feel bad when I've done something wrong. Well, when you are a believer, when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, that's him nudging you saying, hey, th- you did something that was not, doesn't of line me. up with, yeah, it's not of me. Doesn't yeah. line up with scripture. Doesn't line up with what my standard is for your living. Which, by the way, we'll get into, his standard is perfection. Yeah. yeah. Jesus is the standard. So, good luck. Exactly. And without the Holy Spirit, without the process of sanctification, we could not get there. We could not do anything to get to that point and earn favor with Him. And that's the that's the Holy Spirit working in us to become more like Him and ultimately realized when we're with Him in heaven. Yeah, that's it. It's working through you to become more like Christ, but also to get us closer to the Father. Because without the Holy Spirit, without the death of His Son, there would be no want for us. Because um, he could not physically look upon us. That is why Christ died. His blood covers us. And that is why God the Father can look upon us. And the Holy Spirit within us draws us closer to the Father. And so finally, just to kind of wrap up the Nicene Creed, we believe in one holy Catholic Church, Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sin. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life and to life in the world to come. Amen. So Austin, you alluded to this. Expound upon it just a little bit. The Holy Catholic Church. Yes. Real quick, mine says I, and you says we was the... I am reading a different, okay. little yeah. different version. I apologize, but... Yeah some, yeah, some versions, it goes through for you. You read it to yourself out loud versus, you know, the whole congregation reads it. So he, it. he's going based on, you know, if a whole congregation read it versus just one person. Good catch, by the way. So I believe in one holy Catholic and op- apostolic church. So the Catholic, again, that refers to the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. This is not talking about Catholicism, the the Roman Catholic church with the Pope. This is not talking about your Presbyterian church or your Baptist church. It is talking about the church as brothers and sisters in Christ, as the feet, the hands, the body. And then uh, apostolic referring to the teaching of the original apostles by way of Christ. And then we affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sin. This, I don't want anyone to think that we are advocating that baptism is salvation because it is not. It is an act of obedience that comes from being saved. It comes out of, I am grateful for the salvation offered through Christ, and I want the world to see that. And I want yeah. as a symbol to see that as baptism. And, and along with that, you know, it's the, when you become a Christian, you've confessed and professed that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you are going to want to be baptized. If you have made that proclamation of faith and you have not been baptized and you're going years and years without that, there might be something you want to look at and you want to look deeper within you saying, okay, why why have I not felt that that need or that urge, because that that comes with it. And you look through the entire New Testament uh, with Paul and Peter, people were baptized immediately. Again, I'm not saying that that is what caused salvation, but people were so excited and so eager to obey and follow the example of Christ that they wanted to be baptized right then and there. I do think there's something to be said for that. I think there is something that that is, that is a conversation that we could have at some point. Should we be baptized immediately? Does that mean if you're not, if you wait a couple weeks, if there's a schedule or whatever, does that mean you're in disobedience? No, absolutely not. You are moving towards that baptism. You want you want to understand what it means and, and what it symbolizes. Yeah, we can dive uh, into even the whole immersion versus sprinkling exactly. versus 
cup of water. So yeah, we'll we'll talk about all that in yeah. later later discussion. But in this scenario, one baptism for the forgiveness of sin. I, I, I Austin, correct me if I'm wrong, or if maybe I'm just thinking too deeply about this or whatever. Baptism in the blood. Yes. Yeah. It, it, they are referring to the fact that Christ's blood covers us at the point of our salvation, and that we are baptized in His blood, and therefore we have, are raised again into, in God's eyes, perfection. Yeah. He sees purity in us because of the Holy Spirit inside of us and the baptism of the blood. And baptism through Jesus's blood and baptism through the Spirit versus, you know, your physical body. And we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen. Again, that is the, that's the ending. That is the back of the book. Back of the book. That is the Christ reigning on earth, us as co-heirs and co, us as co-heirs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, us Co- yeah, co-heirs, children of God, knights of Christ, we are of royal blood because of Jesus. We have been grafted, we have been adopted, we are part of Christ's family. Huge. As we kind of wrap this up, do you guys have any final thoughts, any final ideas, something that you feel is important, maybe that we didn't share, or just even something that you want to kind of just hammer in on and just say, hey, let's again remember this. This is fundamental. Final thoughts on the Nicene Creed or just the episode in general? Because I have stuff that we haven't said, but it's the basics. Let's do it. Go with the basics. Let's do it. Um, You can cut some stuff out. I'm just looking. Gosh, you're making me work way too hard. (laughs) I was going to ask a question. Like, what do we each think the most important part of like Christianity is? Followers of Christ. We are Christians. Followers of Christ would be probably Christ, right? Yeah. So the the it's all it, it it it's so interwoven and interconnected that you can't separate one piece from the other piece. It, right. it all it would have to be because, your typical Sunday school answer. Exactly because if, if you don't yeah. believe in one part of this, everything else falls apart. And you can pick any of these parts. Mm-hmm. If you miss one of them, the entire thing falls apart. Right. So it 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 is all encompassing. Okay. Well, something I did want to talk about that I hope we can like get deeper into in like a f- later episode. Um. A book that I really like is called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And the spiritual disciplines that we need to be living in, they are split up into three categories. There's 12, four in each category. The inward disciplines are meditation, prayer, fasting, and study. The outward disciplines are simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. And the corporate being confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. I wish that I had them at the beginning of my, like, since I got baptized, I wish I had those two be a more disciplined person and like living in all these. Cause like they all go together and they're all very helpful for your walk. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. That is something to explore. And, and, and what, so that kind of goes into the, one of the questions that we have all talked about as far as exploring, what do we do with this information now? Yeah. And that is exactly what that answers. We, we, these are the things that as Christians, we should strive towards and we should, we should want to, study the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God. We should want to outwardly express that joy through worship, through discussions and, and just how we live our lives. And, and we should want to serve others. And we should yeah. want to make disciples. Yes. That is the one commandment that is universal to every Christian is to make disciples. Yep. No matter where your spiritual gifts are, that's it. And I love that. And, then, and, and this creed is, is the foundation for that. For everything you just said, this is where it starts. And that's awesome. I love that. For me, definitely, you know, going through what we're doing, 
digging deeper into scripture. So something that my wife, Emily, she, she uses as an illustration, you know, from a husband to a wife, say the husband looks at his wife and say, Hey, can you go get me a glass of water, please? From, you know, the, the bride of Christ looking at Christ, Christ saying, Hey, can you go get me a glass of water, please? As scripture, you know, we're most more times than not as believers, we're like looking at that statement and we're like, let's dissect it. Let's dissect it. Water. Okay. He must really love water. He really likes water. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what does that mean? Water? What, what does water mean? And then he likes, okay, let's, let's look at the like in the Greek. Okay. Not, not saying that that's important. It is, but we need to not forget to look at scripture on face value. We need to be able to read it and say, he's asking for a drink of water. Let's do it. The obedience aspect of it, to be able to read scripture and not just dissect it and look at the Greek and the Latin and the Aramaic, being able to look at it and say, look, God has asked us to do these things. We need to do them. And that that is the, the other aspect of trying to shine a light on that. I mean, even just for me as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, it has been awesome. This I think this was very helpful. I think this was very foundational. If you hear singing, that's my, my little girl in the yard somewhere. Okay. <laughs> Having a worship service. Having a worship service. That's, that's yeah. right. That's exactly right. Uh, guys, we will be back on Tuesday of next week uh, to discuss another theological topic. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. So, guys, we're going to be back next Tuesday. We're going to be looking at purpose of a Christian. Uh, Thursday, we, we hopefully we'll be looking at living our purpose in the church and the world. So, topic one, purpose of a Christian. What is our purpose as Christians, Christ followers. We'll be diving into that, figuring out, I, I hope we have a pretty good grasp of what that it looks like. So we'll, we'll be able to look at that more in depth. All right, guys. Thanks for listening so much. Ah, nope. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to Rooted in Logos. We will see you guys next week. All right. No. Thank you for listening to our show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen. Also, please help us out by leaving a five-star review. If you want to connect with us or suggest a topic, email us at rootedinlogospod at gmail.com. Logos, L-O-G-O-S, pod, at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedinlogospod. Pod.